Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Have you checked out our Patreon page? Now's the perfect time to press pause and visit patreon.com slash theaterinthenow to learn why you should become a patron of the website. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's a star of stage and screen, and now she's a star of a podcast. It's showbiz spitfire Paige Turner. How are you? Hi. I love that you said screen. Yeah, well, you are. It is a screen. Like chatterbait or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a How are you today? I'm good. I think every queen probably says they're exhausted to you. So I'm full of energy, and I'm, I'm exhausted. But I'm in a great mood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited for this interview, because we're going to learn everything there is to know about Paige Turner. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so let's start with, where are you from? I am originally, okay, my Facebook profile is a lie. It says Beverly Hills because it sounds better. I'm from Indiana, unfortunately, but near Chicago, which was like a huge saving grace for me growing up. (laughs) And what was life like in Indiana? Gosh, I went to, uh, it was a mean, nasty little uh, Republican conservative town, like you know, really just that stereotypical, like, get me out of here, you know, as the gay boy growing up there. Uh, and I would escape to Chicago and actually go on the train and not tell, like, my family and run in and buy a cast album and run nice. back and try to be, like, you know, not notice that I was like, oh, I'm going to the mall. But I really, like, went into the city and snuck in. That was, like, my big rebel thing. But it was um, it was very hard, actually, Indiana. Um I didn't realize how hard it was until later that I was like, ooh, that was not a good place to grow up, you know. Now, you are someone who loves theater. Mm-hmm. Did, when did theater come into your life? So I've been performing since I was eight years old. So this is, I shouldn't say such bad things about um, Indiana, but I did, started doing community theater and my father was actually in the first show with me. How cute. Which was uh, Fiddler on the Roof and... Uh, and then I started doing community theater, and then I was actually training to be a ballet dancer. And my first audition was a huge cattle call with 600 kids, and I got into the Nutcracker with the Indianapolis Ballet Theater. But I had the very opposite Billy Elliot story, where they were really training me and wanting to train me with girls, and and then I was just teased and made fun of so badly that I stopped doing it, which was kind of a shame. But. Um, but it led to like other things, like just theater, theater, not yeah. dance. Yeah. So what brought you to New York? So I came to New York at uh, right out of high school to go to AMDA. I had a the American Music. Yes, the School of Drag, American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and we had moved my senior year, which is kind of difficult in some ways, to Florida. We moved to Stewart, Florida, and so I um, went down there and did a lot of shows my senior year, and and then I, I actually. It was kind of weird because I had left a private school. I went to Baptist High School in Indiana. And then I went to like a public school, which was like a Beverly Hills 90210 school. Okay. So completely opposite. But it was like full of like rich kids and we were not. And they just all minded their own business because they were into their clothes and their cars. And I came in my senior year and got the lead in the shows. Oh, nice. So that kind of stirred things up of a little bit. Because I wasn't there for four years paying my dues, even though I felt like... Baptist High School was paying my dues. And uh, and then from that, I um, oh, auditioned, met the right people, and I got um, scholarships to go to AMDA. And then the minute 
I could. I got. I had that mentality of Indiana still to get out, and I came to New York. It's amazing. Yeah. What was it like adjusting to New York from the from the Midwest and from the South? Yeah. Um, it was way harder on me mentally and physically um, than I anticipated. And I would definitely say, like, I, I'm a survivor, like, as an artist, but just as, you know, as a young, like, gay boy with a very a religious upbringing and stuff, it was very, very, very hard. I would have to say there were probably some teachers, a voice teacher in particular, that kind of, like, saved me from actually, like, you know, going off the deep end and losing my mind. I definitely am grateful to, you know, some quality people that kind of, like, rescued me from going off a deep end, as so many yeah. can, you know. So you you graduate from AMDA mm-hmm. and you hit the ground running mm-hmm. as every all actors do in mm-hmm. audition. How was that for you? To uh, to audition to, to audition. I yeah. I don't know if you know this. I have this full like career in mm-hmm. musical theater, um, and I did some really great work. And um, it was a, it's a huge part of my story and a huge part of my life, which all led to to the drag. Um, it uh, I don't. I really got to the point where I just don't love to audition. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to, and I was very prepared and I would be someone who would, who would, uh, you know, book uh, often or be up for it. And I really didn't like being up for it and not getting it for a simple reason. I just wanted to perform. Sure. So it got to that stage where I was like, I just can't audition anymore. It's just not fun for me. It's stressful. And I'm like, I can do this part. This is how prepared I am. I've prepared what you want me to prepare. Can I just do the part? And that's how, you know, I was just like kept asking the universe, like, I just want to perform all the time and not have to do the grind, you know. And is that when drag, the spark came in? Yeah, it's funny to say not do the the grind and then here I am doing drag full time. Uh, you know, drag kept finding me, I would say, because I was always, um, I, I've heard this story, so it sounds so cliche. I love clowning of course like um yeah i guess a lot of people have that story but i back in indiana remember at a small little festival a clown putting on a show and i was like oh my god i just thought it was amazing and people were like i'm scared of clowns you hear that and i followed my mom was working the fair and i followed so i was hanging out there all weekend i followed the clown and then saw them go back to their tent or whatever and was spying and then saw him come out like that he had changed with like his wig out of his bag mm-hmm. and stuff and it's a i think it's such a funny fun story because i was like ah oh, he's like t- fooling all of us and i at that time i had known santa claus wasn't real and all that and i was like oh that's so great that you can put that on and all these people are just like into it like that's his gimmick and that's what really always did it for me. I would dress up for a clown like every year for Halloween. Oh, cool. Like I could find so many pictures of me like... Did you ever do it? Do... Pennywise? Oh, I didn't know because, you know, I had to be a pretty clown. Of course, of course. No, I, I love Bozo. I actually have a little collection of Bozo stuff. Nice. Um, and I love that story of Bozo, the creator and uh, how other people did Bozo, but everyone thought it was him. Like different cities would be doing Bozo on their local station, but everywhere you go, it was branded. So I... I just love that story, and I love Harlequin clowns. Mm-hmm. I always love that, and that's from my ballet days of the Nutcracker. I kind of fell in love with that and the Nutcracker and stuff. So, yeah, so that's the clowning. So drag, this, oh my God, the longest answer. Drag is, and tell me if I'm talking too much. Of course not. Drag just kept finding me in certain roles. Even in high school, they wanted me to be like, in forum, they wanted me to like the pretty, uh, what is it? One of the pretty ones at the beginning. Uh I can't even think of the name of the character, the chorus people or whatever. And I was like, oh, kind of like a vanity smurf type. So 
obviously I was in touch with like a feminine side. And then I had, um, it's a very long story, I'll make it short. I had auditioned for a production of Vampire Lesbians of Sodom mm-hmm. that was down at the Duplex, uh, Charles Bush show. And it was very well received. Like it hadn't been done since like Charles Bush did sure. it or whatever. This was so many years ago. <laughs> and uh, I got an amazing write-up in the post about it. Um, like a review that led me to a really good agent as an actor. And uh, then I started dipping my waters into like, oh, let me do a few drag contests because I had the kind of like the drag bug of feeling fabulous and feeling like a rock star in a dress for the first time. That's kind of how it all started, that little bug of that. So how did Paige become Paige? Yeah, um, the name is actually attached to theater because one day at a rehearsal, for a concert, a pianist's music was falling. And he's like, oh God, I, I need a page turner. Someone come up and help me turn the pages. He didn't have a binder. And I was like, I'll be your page turner. And I strutted up there and I was like, you can call me page turner. And I was like, oh, that's a great drag that's name. a fabulous name. And I never, never went with anything else. I had other ideas. Uh, Misty Harbor was one. Okay. And then Chelsea Brownstone was one as well. Because like uh, Chelsea, the gays used to go to Chelsea at the time. Sure. They don't now. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> How would you describe Paige in three words? In three words, I would say entertainer. I would say um, f- hilarious and show-stopping. Nice. Who are some of your inspirations as a performer? As a performer, I'm always inspired by people who've created characters and the audience is just like on board for the character. Like we're already in on the joke. Like they don't have to remind us that they're in drag. So Dame Edna is one of them. Of course. And then Pee Wee Herman is one. And then as far as like fashion and what I always wanted to look like, um, Barbie. <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm very, very, very inspired by like very strong women who broke the mold from the 60s. Uh, I love Marlo Thomas. Mm-hmm. I love what she's done. Um, through charities organization and teaching kids and stuff. And I love that she was that girl. Um, I, of course, love Mary Tyler Moore. And uh, Carol Burnett is a big of one. She's yeah, great. It's a big one. And then I love like shows like uh, that were in Vegas, like Mitzi Gaynor and her Variety mm-hmm. Hour. I love those. Um, I love those old 60s. You know, they're putting on, and they just play the role like, yeah. of what people expect them to be. Yeah, and you bring this classic charm to the stage every time you Aw, thanks. So I want to know what the origin of your catchphrase slurp is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, truth be told, and he says I never have to, actually. Um, my boyfriend actually said it in college, and which is very funny. I would say it am to Shafrika okay. to people who were, like, fucking crazy. I'd be like, uh, Shafrika, or a teacher, like, flipped out us. I'm like, Shafrika. And then everyone started, like, saying it. Kind of like clueless, like mm-hmm. sayings. And I always feel like catchphrases are happy accidents. So I don't know, just one day, um, my boyfriend and I, we had a, a talk about like, you know, catchphrases and things that we would say. And uh, he would he started saying slurp, or we would say slurp about like, um, we're very all American, but we just, we love like, you know, <laughs> all nationality, should I say, or whatever. And so we're like, oh, slurp, or whatever he started saying. And and then um, I started saying it, and then at Bartini, which is really where I kind of like spawned like the full timeness of Paige Turner, I started saying it to the cute boys because it had rubbed mm-hmm. off on me from my boyfriend, who would like I'd get up on stage and disrobe or whatever, and then the audience would start screaming it back to me, 
like, or, or I'd bring a guy up and they would start screaming it out to right. me. And so it just became this happy accident. I call it like a, a, a gaffermation, like a gay affirmation. Yeah. And it's funny, I think Shangela has said this, like with her thing, uh, we've heard slurp before, or we, right. or we associate it with a slurpee or slurping a drink or something. And, uh, but it's a happy accident, a catchphrase. When you plan them, I don't think they ever, like, I'm planning this and let me right, post this. Right. They don't seem to happen. Because I've tried on some other ones, not that I need another <laughs> one, but uh, they just don't catch on as much as, uh, like, a happy accident. And that's that's the best way for them to be birthed, I guess Absolutely. you could say. So you are someone who has built a brand and you've made drag a business and mm-hmm. you've, you've mastered it. Why is this important to you and... Why is it something other queens should maybe take note about doing for themselves? I think I think I really knew early on in musical theater that it is a business because you can go in, sing the part, be the right age, have an agent, have a manager, not do this, and then they'll be like, oh, if only you had red hair, we would have cast you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I could dye my freaking hair, right. which I did have red hair for like two years. Um and it, it's a business. It's a business. And, um, you know, there's a whole other world to drag and what it has done over the years and stuff like that. And we can get into all that or whatever. But I really realized it was the thing that got me noticed. I say I'm like all the characters of Gypsy. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I look like um, uh, Dainty June. Uh, I'm always thinking and putting all my work into the act like Mama Rose. But um, And then Gypsy Rose Lee, it was the gimmick that got her discovered. Right. And it was kind of like drag is what got me discovered or got people that I had even worked with for years to be like, oh, well, I've always known you were talented or whatever. Like people who I didn't think even like really cared much about what I did as a performer because I was just the boy next door. It stood out in drag. And I think it is more my authentic self, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, And the branding just came along to me really being passionate about the things that you asked me that I was inspired by. It, It... I just always try to flood it with that. And you can be so unapologetic yeah. in, in drag. And like even coming from Indiana, being made fun of or being that little lost boy, you know, in this, you know, very racist Republican Christian town, all those things that I was like, I don't understand why I can't like express liking this. I could do in drag. Right. And as, um, and then I was like, oh, well, this is a business and a way to also stay true to that consistently because then people will remember you. Absolutely. And a very good friend gave me the best advice, which is the question everyone asks me, what advice do you have for young queens? And that is to stick to a hairstyle or color for quite a while. Yes. If you want to be noticed and have people remember you. And that's just uh, I'm giving you a tip as well. Just the tip. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, so you are someone who performs in cabaret spaces mm-hmm. and also bars. How do you differentiate Paige in those different venues? Yeah, I think well, the hardest thing is to tell people, um, to get people on board that the show is different than the bar show. Right. Um, and I just have to like kind of put it out there and tell them. And then when they see it, they get it. The cabaret shows is always the intention of what I wanted to do with drag. Mm-hmm. And if I could only do that and not do the bar shows, okay, maybe I'd still do slurp. But sure. I, I would. Um, because I can kind of just be the character full time. Like, you know, when you're in the bar, you know, I, 
I'm not someone who likes to mention being in drag. I'm not someone who's be like, well, I just tucked my, tucked my balls or whatever. I don't like to do that because we all know that about it. And a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people are hilarious when they do that. That's just not me. I love to just be like wink nudge and still be... Character's a word that I think has gotten away in drag because everyone's like, I'm in character. But like, I think there's personality. Sure. And I would say I'm more of a personality mm -hmm. and I can really push that and write that and invite people into that world in the cabaret. Not that I don't invite people in at the bar shows. The bar shows are much more freer and looser. And, uh, you know, people aren't paying and walking in and being loud. And I've kind of stopped uh, m making um, art that maybe couldn't be uh, fully realized in the bar scene. Right. I do, I do things that are different. And I lip sync a lot more. A lot of people don't even know I sing live. I'm like never nominated for like, it doesn't matter, but like the Glamour Award for singing. Sure. And I'm just like, well, I guess people don't like associate that. So I love when people see the cabaret show and they're like, oh my God, you're a good singer. That is like the best compliment because I've been singing since yeah. I was eight and that's what I went to school for. Yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of your cabaret shows and I've put it out in the universe. I'm ready for the web series. Oh, thank you. I'm, and that's, um, thank you. You know, I was, um... So I'm going to uh, Boston. I don't want to get ahead of your question. I'm going to Boston next week, and they're starting the live cabaret series mm -hmm. at uh, Club Cafe, which is a really, I've heard just nothing but amazing things about them. And the producers are, oh, my God, so great to work with. And I like, so I'm very excited. And um, what is her name? Coco Peru is going, I'm, I'm the first month, actually, in the Coco Peru. It's like these people that I've, definitely more people I've been inspired by. But her web series is... Uh, I was watching last night, uh, actually when I was chatting with you about today, and uh, it's really fun. I'm like, okay, I need to do this because yeah. I have a whole slew of papers and ideas and I've already talked to people. So it is the next thing to it's happen next frontier. Me. Yeah, thank you. And the, you saying it just pushes me even more. Yeah, it, I, I'm, I really am inspired by it. Like, I remember seeing the first one. I'm like, I can see it. I can visualize it. And yeah, this is Pee-wee's Playhouse world that you've created. Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't seen the cabaret shows, you really should. Because there's a lot of people that never will or just right. from... And, and, and you think, like, it's surprising how many people see things online. And, uh, yeah, just even, like, I did, like, a, a re-thing of a Karen Carpenter song for her 35th anniversary of her passing away. And uh, I, some people were like, oh, you should do a Karen Carpenter thing and this and that. And people, people I hadn't heard from that I forgot I was even friends with online... A couple private messages. I'm like, okay, so people people see things. Yeah. And there's a whole slew of people that will enjoy and never comment. They don't need to, you know. But so yeah. So with your bar shows, are there any like go-to songs that you lip sync or artists that I love to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, y yes. I. Uh, well, it's funny. I, I'm not. You wouldn't associate Beyonce with me. Okay. But one of my oldest songs is "Listen." I did a little yeah, last night. Yeah, in the yeah. thing. And that just brings the house down. Surprisingly, I would think a lot of queens do that song, but they don't. Yeah. Um, a lot of queens do mixes, and I am, I have a few mixes that I love, but probably maybe 10 total, and we're talking years right. for these mixes, like that I've done them. And I'll add a new one once in a while, but I like a full song and a full story. Um, oh, God, I have so many. People love Spark of Creation from Children of Eden, mm -hmm. and they do the whole Rocky Horror with it, with me, like certain hand gestures yeah. and stuff like that. Um, one of my first songs I still love, you saw a snippet of that last night, was Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. Yep. I'm very inspired by Julie Brown. Because um, I'm a blonde singing live, I love to do. You've seen that in a show. Um, 
I really love doing like wackadoo story things that people are like, what is this? So I love doing uh, a model behavior from Women on the Verge mm-hmm. of a Nervous Breakdown. I tend to have gotten like a lot of flop musicals that were terrible but have one great song that's probably only good for a drag queen. They weren't that great in the show. Yeah. And like I do another one from Wonderland and those flop ones I like really love. Yeah, there's some great material out there. There's great material. And I love just really like fully committing to the character and enough people will get it who are supposed to get yeah. it. And if not, people are like, you know, what putting their phones up to the speaker like what is this song? Right. Shazamming it. Shazamming it. I'm like, "Oh, I'm like of most of my songs, like, you Shazam, and they're like, yeah, it doesn't come about Shazam. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. You know? but I mean, there were a couple moments yesterday. I was like, okay, I have to Shazam this or I have to check it out later. And yeah, what it is. a couple but, of things. But I yeah. love that because I think, like, you always, I think it's like the spreading the great gay gospel. I think it's like always, there's always going to be some baby gay or someone who doesn't know something that you're like, this is what I like and invite people in. You know, do you, and do you ever have um, people come into your shows for when they come to request something for the drag uh, potpourri, as you call it? Mm-hmm. Um, do you get those like top forty songs that maybe you're not familiar with? Oh my god! Like I don't know Rihanna, I don't know Kesha. Kesha. Uh, <laughs> like I just don't know those. I mean, it's not my generation. So, but I hear them when I'm in bars all the time. They just don't uh, transcend me. As wild yeah. as it says. And there's always like, I'm always like retro with a modern sensibility. And for me, it's more fun for me to do like Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun, which a lot of people have never even heard right. because it was like a comedy song that had a music video, but was like kind of played on MTV, like not a top 40 hit even from the 80s. But I'd rather do that or some weird 60s song. Yeah. Like that, that's more fun to me than, um, than the top 40. And I'd rather do like, Sing like classic Madonna. Like sing. Madonna, I don't have to change the keys, so I like to sing nice. to Madonna. <laughs> Are there any New York City queens that you've yet to work with that's on your dream list? Uh, to work with? Gosh. That is a great question. Oh, you know who I miss? I, I miss working with Alexis, who's a friend of mine. And uh, I, I miss working with dream queens. Let me think about this. You know, I've worked with Peppermint before, just on a float, and I really enjoyed working. Now she's going to be so big and be in... Um, in a Broadway show, I would say I would have liked to have worked with her more. Mm-hmm. And then this question didn't, um, yeah, this question was asked to me. I wish I could have worked in group numbers more with all the queens from So You Think You Could Drag. Yeah. But it's very difficult because of what they have to bring as a solo performer. But the times that we did that, I felt like it was like a great com- camaraderie. And I felt like we, it kind of, yeah, just made us all in it together. And I have really good memories of that, that like um, Vinny Solero choreographed. The few that happened over the years were really great. So I would say that's kind of like, you know, something. I, and some of those girls still, I, I would still like to perform with. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is a great segue oh, to yeah. start talking about So You Think You Can Drag. Great. What inspired you to create the show? Yes. Um, well... It's kind of, um, truth be told, it started out, uh, so this is like like eight and a half years ago, where I judged uh, Karaoke Idol at New World Stages when they were starting out, which is a big competition that ran for a long time. And a promoter who has left the city, Austin Helms, I think judged with me that same night. And then another guy, Patrick Kuzara, who worked there and hosted the event, uh, he brought me in as the judge. And... 
it went really well and New World was like, you are a great judge. We love your energy. We love this. And they're like, we have an idea. Austin has an idea. We want to do a contest um, maybe for, for drag. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I should be like doing a contest this yeah. early. And my, like, I don't even know how to, I didn't paint my eyebrows or even know how to paint my face at that time, you know? Uh, and then I thought about it and I was like, huh, what if we do this? And then I came back and I said, but we, this is like a really different environment than what, than what anyone's going to be used to. Cause I thought it was very scary going into a bar and doing a competition. And the few that I had done, I seemed to be like, a favorite of the night, but like I never won. And I was like, why didn't I win yeah. that competition? But people were like, you were amazing. You should have won. And I just was like, oh, I think like I needed more support and people needed to have drag mothers and have friends help them and stuff. And I was like, what if we just kind of like feed in this like positive world, like camp or theater yeah. and join the forces of theater from New World Stages, my theater background, and also I was in casting for like nine months <laughs> and kind of take all those elements and just feed it, just feed it. And people are like, this is not what I'm used to or whatever. And just let's see if it will take off. Nice. And the hamster wheel slowly took off. From season one to All Stars, mm -hmm. how has the show grown? It's grown by people's enthusiasm for drag, definitely. It's grown for people like supporting queens and from the people who've come to like the audience is like an amazing part of that. Yeah. And there's people who've seen me for years at that show and they're like, I come to see you and your girls, but they've never come to see a show, like a bar show. Right. It's like gay sports is what I realized. Jackie Cox said this to me. She's like, you got to think like, it's like gay sports. Like a lot of times, like you know, um, drag. I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But it is, like cheering yeah, on absolutely. their favorite player. And, uh, but it's grown with people's um, passion and seriousness and people taking it as a profession seriously. And I have grown watching people and just like, be. I've been inspired by people definitely hardcore yeah. throughout the years. How can you not be? You know, so, um, and it's grown by us wanting to even make it more rule-based and casting it. Uh, we didn't cast it for a while because, you know, we take we take it very seriously, but we don't take it seriously. But we want, we want to create a professional environment, which is not going to be for everyone and definitely hasn't been, because it's important and it's really fun to have seen people who've kind of taken it or found a path through it in a way that's really... Um, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely given a lot of Queens exposure that they normally wouldn't have received. And I guess I didn't, um, I guess I knew that. So um, I, I didn't know it at first. And then I, when people were like, oh, if like, you know, if girls got into tips backstage or were really upset that they lost or things like that, I guess I didn't really re realize, oh, this is like, this is a really good exposure thing. So of course people's feelings are all over the place about it. Um which is a big part of it, which makes it exciting and stuff like that yeah. too. Competition, though, competitions though are crazy. They always seem unfair. They always seem like, uh, people seem like they could have done better. I thought I did do better. You know, it's a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing Absolutely. for me that's had to like remove myself at times because I, I can't, I can only take care of everyone to a certain extent. So, yeah. but it's, it's changed. People have learned a lot about themselves from it. So the last season was your all-star season. Mm -hmm. What was the selection process when you were casting those 10 girls? Yeah. Um, I had had 
quite a few people. I have mentioned it kind of as a joke, an all-stars. We did kind of like an all-stars show mm-hmm. where we just brought people back and right. did like a one-night thing. And people were like, oh, it's going to be a contest. And then they were like, oh, it's not. But it was a kick-ass show because people brought their A-game performances. But it was just kind of like an all-star celebration, which I think we could definitely bring back yeah. and do one-nighters with some really huge uh, numbers, which would be really fun, like a reunion. Um but I, I needed to know how to make that work. And, and then more people kind of kept mentioning it to me. And I sat down with the other three producers and went through people that we had liked through the years. And some didn't like, I don't even remember her. I was like, well, I remember her or whatever. And then I kind of got my basis. Um, and most, I would have to say, um, maybe a few and really just a couple, um, uh, said yes and then I had a waiting list and then I had people mm-hmm. contact me asking if they could and stuff like that and I knew because it was a shorter period of time for an all-stars that people would be more on board because an eight or nine week is intense right. and you don't need to do that again if it's not on TV if the price isn't $5,000 sure. etc and a lot of people are so far in their career now that they're like I would just like to win this title I don't really need the show kind of, of course. Thing, you know what do you hope the legacy of So You Think You Can Drag will be yeah, I think I, I I said this on Shade. I think uh, I want people to I want people to reflect on the experience later because I think like like I think like when all the theater I've done and I've been like some days I'll have like that feeling of a show I did and I'm like oh, I wish I could just do that show one night. Yeah, this is gonna make me cry. But like I f- I feel that way. Like so you think you drag like oh that just that energy. I wish we could recreate it that night. Um, I want people to remember like things that they discovered about themselves. I want people to remember that hard work pays off and being professional. I want people to remember that like it was special. Like, and a lot of people were rooting for people. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those moments moments in time that um, even if people stop doing drag, which is a small percentage from from it, I just want them to remember that like it was something that they went for. Yeah. Even if they didn't want to do it, that's not a wrong answer. If they decided years later, I don't want to do drag anymore. Yeah. That's, that's an okay answer, you know? That's awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about Shade, mm-hmm. since you mentioned Sure. Uh, for those who haven't seen the show, how would you describe Shade, Queens of NYC? Yeah, it's a, uh, so it's a docu-style show about myself and a bunch of other fabulous dolls in New York City and our lives in and out of drag. And uh, everything from relationships to political to um, business side to mentoring to uh, competitions, a big part of it. Uh, I think we featured three competitions in the show. And it, it it's, gives a glimpse beyond a competition. I just confused everyone by saying comp- we're showing competitions. But it's not a show where we're in a contest. Right. So it's a different type of... Um, reality show i would say it has oh 20 percent real housewives sprinkled on it maybe 20 percent uh but it's kind of supposed to show what what's really going on you know beyond a workroom and things like that right um because i think people are curious and as long look as long as drag is so much mainstream right now i mean like this is the time because it might not be Absolutely. for 5 years and then be back again so we might as well make the most of it you know um, how did you get involved with the project 
Yes. Um, I great. No one's ever asked me that. Um, great question. Marty had sent me an email, which is funny when you read the email. I can read it as Marty, <laughs> so I was very very excited. And I don't know that I um, took it seriously at first. Um, and I I'm not one who wants to show myself as a boy out of drag, mm. even though I'm like totally comfortable with it. I love the mystery of it. I, I love the clowning mystery of it. There's really no other answer. I'm not hiding anything. Um, and I was like, oh, do I want to do that? And then I thought, well, I could be on RuPaul, though. If I do this, I might not. I was like, well, maybe I won't be on RuPaul, and maybe this is what that yeah. envelope is saying, this is what you should do or whatever. Um, and then he touched base with me. I really need you to touch base with me again. It's so unlike me not to write back. It was a very busy time too. And he, and I said, just come in and like talk to the producers and do a little teaser thing. And then I did. So we filmed that teaser. And then, uh, that was really cute. The teaser that was sent out privately, although some people have seen it or whatever it's leaked. And then, um, and then they started shopping it around. And I knew that the people involved were very serious. I got it right away that the people involved were like, you know, this is where, you know, producing this, we really want this to be something. So that 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 interests me. I, you know, could tell when someone was serious or passionate. That right away was like, oh, well, then I'm serious. You know, yeah. about it too. What was it like filming while also having to do your own shows? Uh, that was way I know way harder for a lot of people. Um, to me, I was like, bring it on because. I want people to see the show aspect. I mean, I wish the show was an hour, actually. Yeah. And I think so much cut footage. I can think of certain... I can give you examples of cut footage. I mean, um, it was not as stressful because I'm like, well, I have to be in drag anyway. Right. So that wasn't that bad. I'm like... And they tried to, as much as possible, make sure we were in drag when we were in drag to film us. I have to say, I don't think I had to get in drag for any situation that I wasn't already doing it. I had... I was lucky to have things going on, and they knew So You Think You Could Drag was going to happen during that, mm-hmm. which was going to be my storyline. So that worked in my favor. Um, yeah, just a, just a couple scenarios. I'm like, well, I know my mic's on, but where's the camera? Because I would have liked something to be picked up. But then it could get cut later anyway. Sure. So um, I know it was harder on a lot of people. And if you live out of town, I'm like centrally located, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and I was on uh, six of the episodes. A lot of people were on more, too. So I think I kind of knew my schedule. It really wasn't, oh, God, I don't want the producers to hear this. It wasn't as invasive for me as it was for others. But that's what you signed up for. Of course. I mean, I thought that they were going to be at my house when I woke up and look like crap, you know, go to bed at four and wake up at 11, you know. But but it wasn't like that, you know. That's awesome. What, yeah. Why is shade important to the community? I think it's uh, just to say what I say. I think that there's, look, it's like goes back to some of the things we talked about earlier about there's someone who's always going to see something um, and there's someone who's going to turn on something and not know anything about this world at all. Not know anything about a drag queen and be like, oh my God. I think a lot of people have said like, I can't believe how much work is involved. Or I think it's important to show the passion and spirit of like, the gay men behind the mask. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, if I could like, you know, say that I've shown any of that, that would be yeah, extremely rewarding because there is some little boy in Indiana or 
some little girl or someone who's struggling with everything from wanting to express themselves to their sexuality to just not feeling loved or validated and to see that people are not freaks but uh embracing their misfitness that you know maybe society has pushed down on them is a really good thing you know so if that's the number one thing the show can do and it's nice i've gotten messages from queens uh people who saw my show in mexico recently um from all over the country and uh a fan, fan letters and things like that, a couple here and there, um, that have been really nice, actually. Right. Yeah, it is really nice. And at the end of the day, with all the 20% of like shade or whatever, that stuff is the stuff that's really nice yeah. and good. Yeah. So I want to talk about your new show, Driving to the Top. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little about, a bit about it. Yeah. Um, I put wanted to put the t- so you build a cabaret show and you're like not even sure what the show's gonna be about yet. But I wanted to build a sh- uh, I wanted to put drag in the title because ironically, when I go out of town, sometimes they don't know I'm a drag queen in the picture. Interesting, yeah. especially like in Mexico. It's like, <laughs> why is everyone Mexican? I'm like, no, everyone's Canadian. So. <laughs> And that happened last time with Confessions of an Unnatural Blonde. Right. They just thought I was like this kooky blonde girl, you know, like this little starlet or whatever. And you need know, people showing up being like, oh, this is a drag show. But they liked it. Then you had a whole slew of people not knowing it was a drag show, so they didn't come. And I'm like, shoot. So I wanted to put drag in the title because I was going to tour with this. And it has a double meaning. It's like drag. It's like Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill. Yeah. Like drag me to the top. And the show is basically like, really, what does it mean to be famous or why do I want to be famous or stay uh, relevant in social media? Is it really that important? What does it all mean? And it's just a silly little fable with some, I always try to touch on some important uh, things. I don't get too political. Um, And I like to remind people things that we've all laughed about in the media that are really dumb and commented it on a collective way that we all share like... This is stupid. Yeah. And I, I try to do dumb in a smart way without saying cocky saying that. But because, like, I don't want to just do, like, I'm doing a poop poop joke or this or that. People do that really good. I like to do it in a, in a way that somehow is coated with glitter and, <laughs> and you know, sunshine and lollipops in that way. So it's a little bit more like maybe you'd think about it later. Yeah. Or think about the way I'm thinking kind of thing. So it's just you. You don't have any wacky friends with it's you. It's just me. Time. Yeah. Maybe what a few guest stars and like some video things happening. Cute. I'm excited yeah, for that. Yeah, which is fun. Um, yeah. What's different in this show that we haven't seen in any of your other shows? There's, um, you know, I think I'm singing uh, a couple more straightforward songs this time. And I'm glad because the response out of town was people commenting on my voice. And I definitely have to say a really good voice for this show. Um, And so cabaret style, it's definitely, like if it's a popular song, which actually there are a couple of songs that you're like, oh, she knows what that song is. But I've changed the style and had like tracks made Mm -hmm. where it's not like I'm just doing the downloaded track. In fact, I've had like almost every track in the show made. And I'm repeating a couple songs because there's different stories that I wanted to tell, and they're just such favorites of mine. And I realize when I don't do a song that people love from a show, they're like, oh, I wish, you You know, people want to be like, oh, I love that song. I'm so glad you did it. So I I have a couple, not 
not many. There's like 10 new and maybe two two ones that I'm repeating. And sometimes way, the way you structure them in a story, they feel new or people forget yeah. or they're reminded in a good way. So, what, what is your writing process like? It's a little all over the place. <laughs> um, no, I do have a system. The first thing is the songs. I do a lot of index cards. I okay. do a lot of like Joan Rivers index card. Yeah. I write down jokes. I carry, I have tons of little binders with jokes in them. Situations that happen on the subway or things that happen or a topic in the news. Then I'll be like, oh, that would really work really good if I phrased it this way. So I'll have a bunch of cards with the jokes and then I will write out the songs on cards and I'll try to start placing a story structure. And then from jokes that I have, I'll start, cre- I have to have the idea of the, the, first of all, the idea for the show comes first, sorry. Idea for the show comes first and then I structure songs and I'll have cards, I'll put this card over, put this card back, how will this work and that. And uh, I have a big cork board even and I like to really write things more than type yeah. them out at first because it mentally goes in my brain that I can remember, oh, I wrote that song down, so let me think about that. And then if I don't like that song later, I'm like, eh, I, I go and look for a song that's of that style to tell that story. So you can type it. So when I did the blonde show, you know, I type in songs about a blonde or songs about being a dumb blonde or songs about having blonde hair. You type that in, you can find, oh my God, I mean, the 1920s all the way to like something that was released yeah. last week. And then... I can find some that I've already had written down that I had thought of and others that I'm like, I completely forgot about that song. That would be perfect kind of thing. And then I uh, really talk it out with my boyfriend a lot and he helps me a lot. Um, or he'll help me remember, you know what you said once at a show off the cuff? And I'm like, oh my God, that was funny. So that's good as a sounding board. That's a huge yeah. help. And I, you have to have that help. Um, a lot of people I know use their, uh, use their boyfriends and partners and things for that. But you have to speak it out loud. And sometimes they'll be like, well, I know I think that's funny, but I don't know if that is funny or whatever. And then sometimes I'll be like, hmm. And then I'll go and think about it and scrap it or switch it around. So you work with a lot of collaborators when you do your shows. I um, do. It's always like, yeah, it's always like, I put this all together and made it look easy. But it's, it's a, no, it is quite a few people. And how did you find your collaborators for this show? I feel like because I'm very big about the universe and spiritually and things like that. It's definitely about finding people that are professional, but like get what I do without having to explain it too much. Sure. Um, very lucky, like um, Preston Burford, who I work with, uh, does great work and he gets it. He t- Actually, sometimes he doesn't get it, but then he'll ask me, he's like, oh yeah, 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 totally. I get it now. Mikhail Torich, he's great. He's done work with Peppermint, Sherry Vine, Lady Bunny. He's awesome. Such a pro. So he videotaped for... Um, so I think he could drag for a few years and now I work with him a lot. I think um, it's about finding people. I think also people that are excited for what you do in the same way you're excited for them. Like I, I'm not into just like hiring people or working with people who like, I want to come do this or let me do this once for the money. It's about people who really are investing in you just yeah. as much as you are investing in them. And it's a real partnership. I think the relationships over the years and is a big reason why like so you think you could drag and stuff thrive because of relationships and uh you know it's a relationship Absolutely. it's always work but from it can come a lot of good i love your parodies they thank are you some some of the funniest things i've ever heard thank you um is it like 
chicken or the egg, what comes first, the song or the theme when you write your parodies? Um, I have a whole list of songs that I want to parody, but um, so many I haven't done or whatever. Actually, in this show, I have one that you no one in the world will know the song. No one in the world. Um, but it's just to tell the story. So a lot of times people think like I've even written the song for the parody. They're like, I'm like, no, that's a very popular song. <laughs> like like a Vanessa Williams, Save the Best for Last that I do. People like, you know, a lot of millennials are like, oh, oh my God, you like write your songs. That that song about the, that was such a great, I'm like, that's Vanessa Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, like her only big hit. Well, maybe she had two or whatever. Um, and, and that's fun too, that people don't remember that they're hits or whatever. Um, it always comes, I hear the song and then somehow in my brain I'm like oh that could be could be this I like want to tell you so many ideas I yeah. have but I, I, I can't because they're keep, not done keep yet. them in there and I have a great idea for what to do maybe for a show with the parodies nice yeah how do you stay focused and committed to the art ah that's the million dollar question well it is because every day I wake up and I'm like what can I create today what can I be passionate about? What inspires me? How can I inspire people? Like, I'm completely grateful that I make my living this way. And I think that has helped me work from being from being grateful. It took me many years to realize that. Um, but I, th- I think if you can get up and love what you do every day and are able to do it, then that that's everything. I mean, every successful person every star that i've been inspired by or speaker or everything i mean people in politics even like maybe not now but like you know wake up and be like i really want to make a change or this or that and just to get on a political thing i'm not that political even though i have obviously huge strong beliefs and things and what's going on with our country but i know that my part is to bring humor and lightness during difficult times because i know i can do that Can I get up and speak to um, the Democratic Party? Probably, if I was challenged, but I uh, can make people laugh or bring lightness during... And I really realized that after Hillary lost, that I was like, oh, I have this platform, I can do this. But my way is to um, to have the voice through, through um, you know, through Paige Turner to make parodies about that or make lightness of that. And, I, and at times I will say important things and stuff. I like to talk about the community being more together and stuff like that than, you know, just even people just being judgmental because they're like, that guy's not my type in a bar or things like that. I try yeah. to get people to like, you know, really look around, get off your phones, talk to people and, you know, don't, you know, have all these stereotypes that a lot of gay men bring with them into yeah. a bar. I'm trying to break that down in, in, the, in the drag or whatever. I think I answered. Yeah. Everything but your question. Did no, that's no great. I did. Okay. That's great. Uh, so there are a lot of queens, a lot of young queens mm-hmm. who sometimes use alcohol during their shows as mm-hmm. a crutch mm-hmm. um, for either nerves, means of engagement, yeah. whatever. Um, and occasionally it affects their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who doesn't drink during their shows, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any tips you can share for those who may use it as a crutch? Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually do drink during my shows once in a while, but it's really kind of just like. Um, Cause I, I'm like, oh, I just want to, um, I kind of just want a glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. I don't like to drink during the shows because I don't ever want it to be the reason that I'm able to do a show. 
And I don't ever want it to start being the reason right. that I'm doing a show. And so many years performer as a boy, I, I didn't. And also it makes it makes me hot. It makes me sweat. It, um, you know, we're running on empty a lot of times as queens without eating. I'm like, it's just mm-hmm. not. And I really realize um, the times that I have had a cocktail, it skews my... Uh, view of what the audience is experiencing. I'm thinking like, oh, they're not with me or they're with me and it's not at all what I'm thinking. And, you know, I just, and I've been to the shows where people have been wasted and you're just like, well, she was wasted. And it's not, it's not fun. There's people that can hide it. And there's people that I, there's, I mean, there's people in Hollywood and stuff who have been genius for years and been drunk. And I love Elaine Stritch and she was wasted a lot, you know. And genius, and she was sober, and she was still genius, and she she didn't need it. She didn't need the alcohol. I would say it's a path that you have to be careful and have it looked onto, uh, look onto, or whatever. Um, a queen recently posted, um, who I think is going to be on a very popular show very soon, really posted that they they had a problem or whatever. And it is sad when someone does it because it, it's a way for them to feel good or feel validated. And I was just like, you need to look at that. And if you have anyone that's telling you, girl, you're always wasted. Or if you have anyone that's trying to force drink in your hand because they think that's how you will be better on stage, you, you, you need to take a step back and look at that. And if anyone's telling you that you have a problem, you, you need to listen. Yes. And longevity will come and good work from not being... I'm not telling anyone to never have a drink. Of course. I think people think like I'm this real goody two-shoes, like never... That's so not true. Like, um, oh my God, have a drink. And my audience, I mean, that's how I'm able to be paid is through alcohol sales. Right. So I am not anti-alcohol. I like to reward myself like afterwards and be like, ah, yeah. unless I'm running to 16 other things. I like to be like, oh, now I can have a glass of wine or whatever. But it just makes me like really sweat. I'm like, it's like doing a spin class. Yeah. And I don't want to be doing Soul Cycle with a Pinot Grigio in my hand, you know. I hear that. Yeah. Uh, so we do something called tea time. Tea time. Um, and usually what I do is um, I give you some names and you spill some tea. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to do a li- something a little different. Okay. I wanted to give you some, um, so you think you can drag alumni, and I wanted to see how oh, I you, love that. you thought um, about their journey so far. I love that. Uh, so we're going to start. Are these one word answers? or? And No, they can yeah. be stories, whatever okay. you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start with Vicky Buffon. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love I love Vicky Buffont. Um, has become a very good friend of mine and moves across the street from me. I'm, I think you're stalking me because she lived like four blocks away. <laughs> it's funny, people are like, oh, did you know Vicky for years and she was gonna win? I was like, I didn't know Vicky at all, and I'm shocked I didn't know her. We just, uh, you know, she's extremely supportive and she does something that I, I want other people to do. Is <laughs> she's always says thank you and she's always really appreciative. Mm-hmm. And it's such a wonderful thing. Um, and I think more good stuff will be coming her way because she, yeah. she does that. And um, I think she's really talented and dry and fun. I love her Instagrams. Uh, she was extremely professional, pushed herself. And it, yeah, her winning was 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 a, was wonderful. We're going to go with another winner, Juicy Lou. Juicy Lou. I love Juicy Lou. The thing about Juicy Lou is... is She's so polar opposite as a boy. Yeah. And like so shy and like just a little like, and just the, I'm going to use the word spitfire, the spitfire that she is in drag blows my mind. Like it impresses me. 
And he's just like this quiet horse to be like, I mean, if he was ever on Drag Race, I think that could be a force to be reckoned with because he has that competitiveness that you don't see coming. And um, yeah, lo- I love working with yeah. him. We have we have this Miss Saigon number, which is still <laughs> my favorite thing. And then I cut his hair and the yeah. thing this year. And yeah, we've had some really fun things. And what's so funny about him is it'll be so fun on stage and then uh, off stage is Brian I'll be like uh, I said it was funny he's like yeah yeah that was real great like so mellow <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'm like I'm like completely sp- I just love how opposite he is it's really funny next up is Fifi Dubois Fifi Dubois yeah Fifi um, Dubois is great she is she's someone that really improved with her drag and really really wanted it and um, really young when he first did the competition and then came yeah. back and did it again. And um, it would have been great if he was an All-Stars. Um, and if we had another All-Stars, definitely. And I, I've just seen him grow over the years. I judged Fifi in a competition where I thought her crazy, like, out-of-control singing was something that was very funny because she doesn't sing and it was like a right. sudden singing competition. And I thought she really has something there. And a great dancer. great dancer. I think he's like matured a mm-hmm. lot as a person. And from that has come like really uh, great drag that I've really loved watching yeah. over the years. Yeah. Next up is Tara Hyman. Tara. I, I weirdly don't know Tara like very much or like ever see her she was like a kook ball like in so you think you could drag and still is um but i know i know tara grenade of course tara grenade and i have to say sometimes some some people i'm like change your name but her i was like no i like that name there's a little bit of loss for me when people change change Mm -hmm. their name um uh always have liked um liked him probably liked liked him as a boy a little too much too uh when he did come with some of the gender bending stuff i was like wait 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 a minute wait a minute i'm like liking this too much or whatever um he's fun he's out there we've actually it's kind of funny i feel like we've had more personal talks about deep stuff um than drag stuff ironically and uh yeah i really feel for him and stuff that he's been through yeah speaking of name changes uh uh-huh. daphne always yeah i I mean, always will be fabulous. Um, I, I don't know why she changed it, but uh, but it's great. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of hers. I know she's probably very disappointed about So You Think You Could Drag, but she always will have a high place for me. And I, she was a baby when she came to the competition. And I think it's the success win story, everything. Everything, yeah. her gender journey, everything has been... Um, yeah, he, uh, she, has a, she has a cool energy. Yeah. A very cool energy. Next is Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields, I feel like, is like the normal, was like Norma Ray for me. She will go out and be like, I just have to say, Paige Turner and the So You Think You Could Drag. She has gone on to do, uh, you know, really is the reason why I do drag. Well, she's vintage. Yes. So she'll be very top for me. She looks great. Um, this interviewing thing she does is great for her. I love, mm-hmm. love when she interviews. And I think um, her collaboration with Chiffon Dior is great. She's been a wonderful sister, a wonderful friend. Uh, yeah, I, I adore her. Next is Crystal Demure. Crystal. Crystal's such a success story. And for all the things we've talked about, I actually started What the Fuck Wednesdays with, uh, it was Crystal and Chelsea switching mm-hmm. off when we first started it. 
It was called Work Wednesdays, and we changed it to What the Fuck. So see, like, names, we've changing names. Uh, she had really wanted to really be in Kinky Boots. And it was kind of her story, the whole background and stuff. And she, she like, was on casting, wrote to them, and, like, was like, you don't understand. You need to see me for this role. Yeah. And that, it was just just great. She's great to work with. And when she came back and did the whole uh, All-Stars finale, we just, it was wonderful. She's like a total pro, yeah. and I'm a huge fan. Next is Alexis Michelle. Alexis. I love Alexis. Alexis applied, and I would have taken her the year before she got in and won. So I um, can't even think of the years now. And Alexis, I was I was. V- I was upset on Drag Race with Alexis because I I know how Alexis is and Alexis comes off like so serious mm-hmm. and stuff like that. She is serious and she's really chill and like really great to work with. And she was like a total pro, but like totally helped everyone out, but wanted to win. And she said it for So You Think You Could Drag too. She's like, I wanted to win, but of course I'm like, sure, I'll help you with your hip yeah. pads. I thought it was just a great balance, and um, yeah, she's been yeah she's been a good friend to me. I, I like her a lot. And last but not least, Jackie Cox. Jackie Cox, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say this on record because I know everyone's people weren't too shady about this. Maybe underground. Uh, it was never an intention of her being my good friend that she would like win the competition or definitely win the competition. Look, I've become friends with people, so it was impossible to do an all-stars without asking people who had become a good friend. Absolutely. And really talk this out, and it would be really shitty if I had not asked people to be in the competition. Um, I had asked Chelsea and Nomi and um, Jackie, who are you know good friends, and, and had worked on that stage many times after their competition. And if I didn't ask them, they would have been like, I cannot believe you didn't ask right. me. And the moment would have, so I really realized after much deliberation and talking that I had to, and I didn't know that Jackie would have, in fact, it worried me. I thought maybe, and she thought too, like she would go home right away. I didn't know that she would have the competitive, competitive nature to her, but what she did have was really sticking to her guns. And when then she, and we ne- we kind of didn't talk during the competition, which was kind of cool, and I think that was her yeah. doing, too. And she kind of just went and did her thing, kind of stuck to who she was. And when she did win and told me about her experience of losing to Honey the first year, I was really happy she won. Yeah. Because she felt she had really blown it and really bombed on that, uh, which I don't remember it as bombing. She had just started drag. So it really was a full circle moment. I was like, oh my God, look at all these years later and you all on, you are, you are an all star. Yeah. Like it was great. And people, I mean, like people could have disagreed with me as people could, but most people were like, well, I mean, yeah. Sure. She deserved it. Yeah. She yeah, did. I, I it doesn't mean agree. other people didn't. Of course. No, I, I mean. But she did a fantastic that, job. That, that's where my votes went. Yeah. And it was, and it was a quiet undertone. And she also did something that was very good. You know, I tried to give constructive feedback to people and suggestions. And I was like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you could take the wheel and throw glitter on it. Yeah. You could take the wheel and have two guys (laughs) attach the wheel in your number, you know, like don't kill yourself, you know, or I've always done this number, but I've never had dancers and I've never had the look I've wanted to have. Yeah. That's, that's the best advice for competitions that I've seen with people is people 
trying to do reinvent the wheel. And I was like, well, what about this number? Like, I think I said to a girl last week at the West End who did, um, was it Precious? Who did mm-hmm. the Freddy number. Yep. I was like, the Freddy Krueger is relatable to us. It's a cool number. But you you did this, and there are many components to doing this number. And many songs, and yep. many things that you can make happen. So elaborate on it. So if she Absolutely. was to do So You Think You Could Drag, she could bring that back in like a full, like, you know, Heidi Ho yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is your post-show routine? Post-show routine? Oh, you mean after? Yeah. After. Is that what post means? Yeah. yeah. Post-show routine. Uh, well, <laughs> I do post on social media right away and like to, um, to get that up and just kind of like thank people and, uh, and, and yeah, Instagram and Facebook and get that up right away. Um, and then I kind of get into a YouTube K-hole. <laughs> I do. Like the other night, it was Bernadette Peters. It was Elaine Stritch last week. It was Karen Carpenter because it was like their anniversaries of their deaths and stuff. So I guess that kind of in my mind inspires me. Uh, if I'm really good, I uh, also uh, stretch hardcore. I have muscle stim for my back, which has been off and on. Uh, and that's what I should be doing yeah. is hardcore, doing that. I try to, it's very hard to come down because I'm like, it's, it's such a high from, from the show and the audience. Um, and that's also why I don't like to drink too because it'll keep me up even later and stuff. Um, but yeah, I kind of just like to try to calm down a little bit. And I usually eat a half a bag of chips and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who would you do for Snatch Game? Oh God. <laughs> so, so many. Um... Well, Julie Andrews would have been a big one for Snatch Game. I would do Elaine Stritch. Yeah. And no one's done her. It's shocking no one's done her yet. They might. It might happen. Maybe. I would definitely do Elaine Stritch. That's a good one. Yeah. Where do you go? Um, what's your favorite places to go costume shopping? Oh, my God. I have told this to so many queens. When they've told me what they've spent for So You Think You Could Drag, I'm like, what? <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm hosting this tonight, and I paid $18 for this dress. I gave this advice to a few people who, who went out and did it. I think... I think it was Ritzy and Juicy uh, grabbed onto this. It's called L Train Vintage. Okay. And a lot of people know about it. There is one in Manhattan. It's gone downhill a little bit, but there's quite a few in Brooklyn. I think the Brooklyn Queens know about it. And I seriously will get like, I think, I remember last year this amazing Easter dress I wore for the Easter show. It was like $8. Nice. And like, I took it in in the back and people were like, oh, who made that? And I was like, this is an $8 like thrift store dress. Yeah. And it was, it's very funny, like, you can get the most compliments on things like that. And I've gotten some gems there. And because of that, I was able to switch up a lot in shows or So You Think You Drag, because I'm like, I spent $100 on all this total. Right. You know? I'm a thrifty queen, definitely. Thrifts are good. If you can go anywhere and perform in the world, where would it be? I really, really want to go to London. Okay. I want to do a cabaret show in London, but I need to be more well-known because I can't be, like, just posting an ad on Facebook and hope that I get there. No, I have followers and friends yeah. there. And you're verified. I'm verified, um, yes. But I, yeah, I London, because it makes me think, like, I performed at the West End, no pun intended right. for our West End. <laughs> um, but, yeah, right now, that, that plays in my mind as something really nice. fun. Yeah. It'll happen, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, hopefully. So we're going to play the Pop 5 Rapid Fire. So I'm going to give you five pop culture things, uh-huh. and you're going to say the first phrase, thing, whatever you want to say about these items. Okay. 
It's current. Yeah, current. We'll see how good I am at this. So number one is Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Uh, Slurp. Slurp, yeah. Definitely. Did you watch the halftime show? I did. I don't know why everyone's... Everyone... Oh, God. People just love to crapple over things. It's true. They crapple over Gaga. They crapple... It's like, come on. Yeah. Every, everyone's got a problem with someone. Everyone's got a problem with someone. I, he's great. He's obviously very talented. Yeah. yeah. Number two is This Is Us. This Is Us. Should I know what that is? The TV show. What it, oh, this is us! Yeah. Oh, I okay. Just saw a huge uh, thing about like the preview of like you should be watching this or whatever. Um, it, it's it's something that I probably should be watching but might never watch. Sure. Yeah. Number three is Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, just no. No. Uh, no, no, big waste of time. Yeah, I mean, I love this show. So I watched it last You love night. Big Brother? I did. So yeah. I got home last night at 3 a.m. and I watched the full episode of mm. the premiere last night. Um, but Courtney Act just won the um, yeah, that's great. UK version. I like Courtney, and, yeah. Yeah, there's some really great clips of her talking and I just, educating. I just feel like, you know, when I watched that kind of thing, I was like, I should be working on a song. That's true. Or, you know... Take, taking an address or something. Yeah, yeah. Number four is Trump's request for a military parade. What does that even mean? It, he wants the tanks to come down Pennsylvania Avenue. He wants to be like France and have show why we're the best military in the world. I just say fuck off. I agree. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. And number five is the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics. Well, I hate that like they're on the same nights as some of my uh, some of my <laughs> shows out of town. People are like I have like friends from high school like for Boston next week, and they're like, oh, "I'd love to come, but it's the Winter Olympics." I'm like, Do you "Really?" I'm like, "Coming to your freaking town?" Yeah. Like last time you had to come to New York to see me. Uh, I like uh, I like I like I like Summer Olympics because it's more skin. I do too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely. I mean, yeah. I'm a former swimmer, so yeah. Give me, oh, give I me mean, the pool. yeah, yeah. Give me. Um, yeah, give me Summer Olympics over winter. Even though I actually enjoy winter, actually. But uh, but skin, skin. So now um, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Oh my god, amazing. So this is a question from Gilda Wabbit. <laughs> is it about sex? Yes. Of course. Of course it is. You slut. <laughs> Who would you rather strap it on and fuck you, Julie Andrews or Judy Dench? Oh god, really? <laughs> That's... That's Gilda Wabbit. Um, Judy Dench. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, just leave it at that. Thanks, Gilda. Uh, so now's your turn to ask a question to my next guest. Oh my god. Who's your next guest? You don't get to know. I don't get to know? No. So you can oh, ask any question. Oh, that's really difficult. Any question in the world. What is... What is the thing about living in New York City that annoys you the most? That's a good question. Because like that. most people have at least 10. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So if you've made it this far in the podcast, use hashtag driving to the top. Uh, where can we find you on social media? On social media, yes. I am on uh, Manhunt at uh, PussyLip69. I'm kidding. Uh, everything is Paige Turner NYC. Um my website that I haven't updated. Patreon NYC uh, for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook, um, for um, for Wikipedia, for everything. Everything's Patreon NYC. Branding. Everyone Branding. should put the NYC. 
So, Drag Me to the Top at the Lori Beachman Theater, Wednesdays at 7 from February 21st through March 28th. Buy your tickets at Ovation Tex. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. So many great questions. I appreciate it. The biggest thank you to Paige for joining me. If you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star review and consider supporting the podcast in Theater in the Now by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash theater in the now. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.